pray. Father, again, I thank you for your mercy and grace. Let me not speak that so quickly. Because it's your mercy and grace that gives us life and hope, reinforcement. For we need it so desperately. Lord, I pray for the Spirit will connect with each of us that our hearts will be open to your word. That our minds will be clear. That the truth will enter in. And things that are not of you will exit. For your word is alive and powerful. Bless this time together, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, the strange title... Mark chapter 5. Boy, it doesn't give you much, does it? Uh, I'm going to summarize the first part. And it is Christ uh, being encountered with evil. A man possessed. And there's all sorts of dynamics that go on there. But when there is a confrontation between this man and Christ, the demonic says, Jesus, son of the most high God. And that just bounces and bounces and bounces to me because evil knows who Christ is. And evil knows that there will come a judgment and evil trembles at the sight and presence of Christ. And so for me, there's all sorts of other things that are going on at that part of the chapter. But it is Jesus, Son of the Most High God. Realize who we represent and who is in us. But I'm going to focus in on the, the sermon on the latter part of Mark 5. And there's a lot of scripture because I'm going to be reading it. And, you know, I need the aid of paper. We're now going to delve into two lives that would never meet if it wasn't for Christ. Jairus, a leader of the synagogue, and a woman with what is described as an issue of blood, hemorrhaging continually. Their encounter, being in the same space, was impossible in those days. We know that Jairus is described as a leader of the local synagogue, a man of importance and influence, and the unknown woman was an outcast removed from society. This meeting in our present-day culture would not even lift up an eyebrow. If someone of renown happened to be in the same place as a woman who had a medical condition of bleeding, if you would allow me to imagine their encounter in present times and propose a scenario where they would never meet today. Never. What would be the circumstances in our culture that, that, that would prevent them from meeting? If a woman came to our church, approached our pastor, and shared that she is suffering from a type of hemorrhaging, hopefully... Our response would be to console her, pray for her, and be part of the journey of health. Not in biblical times. 
A woman who had continuously bleeding was unclean, and anything or anyone who she touched would be unclean, and had to follow strict instructions to re-enter society or be shunned until the bleeding stopped. It is difficult for us to imagine such a scenario. The reality during Christ's time for those who were unclear was severe and deadly consequences as we read in Leviticus 15.30-31. to 31. Through this process, the priest will purify her before the Lord for the ceremonial impurity caused by her bleeding. This is how you will guard the people of Israel from ceremonial uncleanliness. Otherwise, they would die. For their impurity would defile my tabernacle that stands among them. You had to be purified to enter back into society and the woman was unclean for 12 long, suffering, agonizing, isolation years. Let's imagine how Jairus and this unclean woman would be seen and treated in our modern day world. I'm going to ask for a kind of imagination on this. I'm trying to bring that culture to our culture. If Jairus was a modern day man, he would be successful, influential, educated, wealthy, have a great job, possibly a CEO of a medium-sized corporation, everything going his way, the envy of many. The woman could have been born middle class, decent education, possibly family, good friends, and life was good for her until she contacted a disease that could not be cured, was highly contagious, deformed her facial features so everyone knew she was a carrier of a dangerous and deadly disease that could spread and infect all society. She spent all her savings on doctors here and abroad, finding no relief anywhere. For 12 years, her life spiraled down into despair, poverty, isolation, homelessness, without anyone to support her, with no help or hope. She is a modern-day leper. She hears about this itinerant healer. So who are these people, these two people? Let's imagine the following. Let's compare their lifestyles and what would keep them apart in today's society. Using a modern-day New York City as a backdrop into trying to fathom the chasm between them, to attempt to appreciate why they would never meet. Remember, Christ opens his heart to everyone. Jairus would be living in a lovely duplex overlooking Central Park. He could have combined two apartments 
in one so that he had space to host the movers and shakers of his world. She would be isolated somewhere, living under a bridge, most likely a place made out of cardboard. There would be no welcomed visitors, for the evenings bring danger, and visitors are not welcome. Jairus would have a nutritionist and possibly a living chef. His meals would be exquisite, pleasing to the eye, and scrumptious. Each meal, a culinary delight. She would forage for food from a restaurant's dumpster, or be given handouts, or at times someone might buy her a Big Mac or the equivalent. The day's food would be sporadic and of poor quality. He would travel twice a year to London to be fitted for handmade suits, the latest accessories, and his formal wear would be expensive and classic. She would be wearing clothes that were at best hand-me-downs, clothes that were threadbare and filthy. He could make calls that would influence the best of the lives of many, for good or for bad. People listened to him and took his advice and counseled seriously. She had no sway over anybody. She mostly talked to herself and even then, only in mumbles. He had friends, family, and followers. His social calendar could be filled every day if he so chose. His days and nights were filled with activity, action, the arts, travel, and adventure. She was shunned, alone, isolated, avoided at all costs. She was not permitted to mingle with others, ever. Her presence offended and threatened normal people, and they let her know about it. She always had to keep her distance. Always. He was admired, sought after for his wisdom, advice, counsel, and predictions. They wanted to be like him, successful, important, powerful. In a good society, he is a success. He made it to the mountaintop. She and remained in a pit of despair, despondent, no relationships with others, a person alone, and society did everything to keep her there. He was educated, best schools, degrees, earned and honorary. His accomplishments were recognized and rewarded. She was struck, struck down by circumstances beyond her control, and there was no way out, no exit ramp. Her former background was no longer of help because of her dreadly condition. This is an imaginary attempt to capture the reality of biblical times, an attempt to get a small appreciation of the gap between their worlds. The separation between the two was astronomical, and nothing could ever put them in the same place at the same time, nothing. And then, life 
took a turn for both of them. Let's look at this biblical scene. With all the power, prestige, influence, Jairus could not change the reality of losing that which was most precious to him, his young daughter. She was dying. He was beside himself. Desperate as only a parent can be when their child is being threatened, feeling both hopeless and helpless. All is lost. Where do we go to find solace, comfort, and healing? Where can you place your hope, place your faith? He is overwhelmed with pain, suffering, and longing for a miracle. Mark 21 to 23. Jesus got into the boat again and went to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name is Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell on his feet, pleading fervently with him, my little daughter is dying. He said, please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jairus humbles himself before the one whose reputation is that miracles occur with Jesus. There is healing in his presence. A synagogue leader is hard-pressed to plead to an itinerant healer. But Jairus does just that. He falls on his knees and pleads for the life of his child. 524. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. There is no hesitation on Jesus' part. He is going to demonstrate the glory of God to all who have eyes to see and ears to hear. What must be going on in Jairus? The one that could save my daughter is coming home with me. Hope springs from the presence of Christ. Then the outcast bag lady shows up or as the Bible describes her, the woman with the issue of blood. She doesn't belong there. She has no right to be there. Is she going to contaminate the healer? In modern days, the paparazzi would be taking their pictures, horrifying their audience that such a deadly, lethal encounter would occur between the healer and this wretched woman who brings death to all who she touches and contaminates. How did anyone let her in? How did she get access to Jesus? This could be a catastrophic encounter. Remember, all are welcomed by Jesus. All means you and me. Have you ever believed that whatever you are ashamed of, the wickedness that you may have perpetuated upon another, so grievous and so awful that Christ would never forgive you? No one is omitted from the presence of Christ. No one. Come as you are with all that you have done, all that has been done to you, and Jesus will call you my precious daughter or my dear son with an outpouring 
of affection and acceptance. Mark 25, 32. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors and over the years had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of this terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that the healing power had gone out for him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. She took a courageous stance that if I can be with Jesus, I will be healed. Don't let anything stop you from coming to Jesus and confessing all that has kept you in bondage, a prisoner to sin, lies, and deceit. His power, his mercy, his grace, his love for you and for me know no bounds. Call out to him. You will never be rejected. What is Jairus thinking? Jesus, get moving. Remember my daughter. Why did you stop and now question the crowd about who touched me? Every moment is crucial, and you're having a conversation with an unknown person in the crowd? Remember my 9-11 call to you. It's an emergency. Put sirens on. Get moving. Before Jairus can articulate his feelings, the encounter between Jesus and the bag lady continues. Mark 533 to 34. Then the frightened woman, trembled at the realization of what happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And, she, and he had said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. What courage. What faith. What desperation. What determination to meet Jesus. What again is going on with Jairus? Here is the bag lady who has gotten what he has pleaded for. A healing. She is preventing Christ from healing his daughter. Things are moving fast. And before Jairus can say anything, horrible news is reported. What prevents you and I to take such bold steps in faith? Let us be courageous in our walk with Jesus. What an impossible intersection of lives between those who have and those who have not. Those who are accepted and affirmed and those who are rejected and scorned. Mark 5, 35 to 36. While he was speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, they told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now.
Jairus not only witnessing the healing of the shunned, but that person prevented Jesus from healing his daughter. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. This is the most heartbreaking news that a father or mother can hear. Your child has died. Jairus is stunned and can't even take it in. The news is surreal. Jesus touches the fear of the father and says, don't be afraid. Do not allow your worst nightmare to take hold of you. Let Jesus in to your worst nightmare and listen to his voice. Go to scripture, meditate on his word, find that which will give you peace, hope, and a developing faith. His word is true, true for you and true for me. Mark 5, 37 to 43. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw such commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? And this is one of the most amazing statements in scripture. The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave, and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the, where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up, walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. Nothing is impossible with faith. God tells us he only gives us good gifts. Both Jairus and the woman demonstrated great faith in Jesus. She was courageous to follow through on her faith. That Jesus could heal her. Jairus also demonstrated great faith. They were all in with Jesus, no holding back. Hebrews 11.6 tells us, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him and believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. I have struggled with my faith. There are times when I cry out and to the Holy Spirit, help me in my journey of faith. I know some people who have faith that seems to have no bounds, but I struggle. And my cry many times as I struggle is in Mark 9, 23, 24, when the dad shows up and his son is not doing well and is sick, and the dad says, if you can, if you can. And scripture says, what do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, 
I do believe. But help me to overcome my unbelief. Many times I've called out that prayer. So how, in you, so how can you and I increase our faith? Let's begin with the mission statement of Trinity. Worship God, grow together, make a difference. Worship God, stay connected. Talk, debate, struggle, celebrate with God. Stay in relationship with him. Celebrate him in the laughter of your children. Celebrate him and worship him in a meal with a friend. Dance with joy, sing with joy. Smile at a neighbor. Take a walk in the early morning. Worship God in the everyday events of life. Gratitude, humble awareness that everything comes from him. Learn about God, scripture, a verse, a chapter, a word, a theme, and meditate on these things. Jesus tells you that he was never going to leave you nor forsake you. For emotions, go to Psalms. For wisdom, go to Proverbs. Use the Mark study guide. The word of God is alive and powerful. Begin a daily devotion. He is not alike on Facebook, but love waiting for you always. Connect. Pray without ceasing. Tell them about everything. Tell them about the details of your life, including the everyday stuff, along with the major issues. Strive for obedience, and when you falter, go quickly to the gracious throne of God and receive mercy when you need it. Grow together. Connect with other believers. Be aware in, in the scripture, each other and one another verses in the Bible. Don't isolate. Make one connection this week that you wouldn't normally make. Stay in relationships. The enemy wants to isolate us, to be alone, to spiral down. Small groups, we need one another. And scripture says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person fails, the other person can reach out and help. But if someone who falls alone is in real trouble, three make a stronger bond. Connect with someone this week, either someone new or strengthen a relationship that you have already. Ask God for wisdom. Make a difference. Do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Step out with others, investigate. What is the church and others involved in? Take a small, courageous step and connect. Start easy, but start. Can you imagine today's Jairus and Bag Lady after their amazing encounter with Christ, beginning an NGO together. Biblical headlines. What passions are driving you that provoke you? Take a small step in that direction and begin.
We are united in our cause because of Jesus. So that was the end of the, the sermon. Until, until, God provoked me and I asked for, um, uh, I know three families. I'm going to discuss unanswered prayer just for a moment. I love this, this scripture and this story. I love the transformation of Jairus and the transformation of this woman. I love that they found the intersection and there was celebration. But I know three families. One who has lost a daughter. She was ill in her teenage years and then died in her early 30s. I know a family who has a son, married, children, and he too died early. My wife and I now know another family whose 13-year-old daughter probably has six months to live. All the treatments and stuff that has been going on with that little one seem to have come to an end. And So what do you do with all that? There will always be pain of separation, watching someone you love leave you. Many, though, many times, those we love are in pain and suffering. That loss, that separation, that pain will never go away. The emptiness will always be there, especially if you lost a child. I am told that there is no greater suffering than that but remember, Christ opens up this, this other world and says, she is not dead, she is asleep. We will all rise again when he calls our name and wake up from our sleep. Our Heavenly Father gets this. And if you will, he gets this on a very personal level. In John 3.16, which everybody knows, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world. He, the mystery of the Trinity, but he loves his son. And he's offering up his son, his boy, we see that relationship twice between father and son. A voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We hear that connection. Then a cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son. Listen to him. There is this connection. Jesus tells us at some point, I only do what my dad tells me. How close are they? 
the death of Christ. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to his disciple, here is your mother. But in my imagination, I hear the cry of Mary, my baby boy. That's my baby. At about three o'clock, Jesus calls out with a voice. Eli, Eli, lama subakbathim, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what I hear in that is, Dad, where are you? Dad, where are you? And you see Mary, my baby boy. Jesus died on the cross, separated from his dad, and gave his life as a ransom for you and I. God knows your loss and separation. And then, after all this pain and brokenness and heartbreak, and then the life of the world took a turn, just like Jairus and that woman's life took a turn when they met Christ. The tomb is empty, and Christ rose from the dead. Our hope is in the resurrected Christ. If you have never called to him, ask for help, do that now. Your life will now take a turn and never be the same. The resurrection of Christ. For those who have not had that answer of prayer that they cried out that we've seen in Scripture, the resurrection of Christ is our hope, our joy, and our wonder, and our invite into paradise. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. May the realization that what we see here on this planet will someday all go. And there will be a new Jerusalem, a new world. And all of us will be awakened by your voice and we be celebrating. May this be consolation to those whose prayers have not been answered to the way that they hoped, pleaded, and cried out for. But there is always hope in the resurrected Jesus. And in his name we pray, amen.